On the show today, I'll be bringing you my chat with Peter Davison about life beyond the Doctor. Stay tuned. Welcome to Benjamin May McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and joining me on the show today is Peter Davison. Now, while he's probably best known for playing the fifth incarnation of the Doctor in the iconic BBC series Doctor Who, he's had a wealth of other roles uh, on shows such as All Creatures Great and Small and The Last Detective, as well as shows like At Home with the Braithwaites. And I chat to him about some of those roles today. So, here's that interview. Enjoy. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Now, who inspired you to become a performer? Um, no one particularly inspired me. Uh, I was a great fan of um, movies actually of the 30s um, and I, I had a great interest in it. I remember at school, high school, in, I think maybe the first, second year, uh, <clears throat> one of the tr- school trips was to BBC Studios and uh, I remember going along there and seeing a a police program called Z Cars being made very primitively looking back on it but it seemed like an amazing thing at the time uh, so I suppose that was the first sort of spark of interest in it and then um, I did have a very good drama teacher at school who, who persuaded me to join an amateur dramatic society which mm-hmm. I did and then somehow by default I ended up going to drama school because I didn't do very well in exams and it seemed like the only option I had certainly a good option for you though yeah certainly has worked out okay so what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? Oh, I don't know what the highlight has been, really. Um, I've, been, I've, I've, I've had many very nice parts, very many what you might call great opportunities. Good, good scripts have, have come my way. I've not really sought them out. I suppose, in a way, the highlight, oddly, was uh, this thing I did uh, uh, last year for the 50th anniversary, this making, making us writing this short film and, and making it uh, because it was just such a great uh, and hugely enjoyable thing hard work as mm. it turned out but, and it was sort of like a runaway bus um, but in a way it's one of the things I'm, I'm kind of proudest of because uh, uh, everything kind of fell into place and yet uh, um, it was especially like a vision that you kind of that actually came to work out the five-ish doctors so I'm talking about Mm. So you've worked in front and behind of the camera. I which, suppose I have now, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. So which one do you prefer? Um, <clears throat> well, I enjoyed the, 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 the Five-ish Doctors because I was directing. I did, there was a point during that filming where I looked across at Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, who were sitting there uh, um, having a cup of tea in a chair, um, essentially wasting time, which is what actors spend most mm. of their lives doing. And it did occur to me... When I, when I saw them there, how could I have spent so much of my life sitting in a chair, sipping a coffee or whatever, um, when there is so much, you know, I was running around picking out locations. So I can see that's very exciting, but at the same time, so is playing a part, and so is getting a good script and uh, bringing it to, to fruition, despite the fact you spend most of the time waiting around. Um, I don't know what I prefer. I, I, I would... I hugely enjoyed that. Whether I, if I did that on a permanent basis, I'd think, mm. oh gosh, give me some acting. Probably I would, you know. <laughs> well, you've acted on TV, film, radio, theatre, and musical theatre. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favourite one of those? 
Um, you kind of enjoy this. It sounds like I'm avoiding the answer, but I'm not. You, you, you kind of enjoy the one you're doing at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I did a I did a straight play uh, on on stage um, last August for the first time in many years. A straight play, uh, a big part too, um, and that was hugely enjoyable. Just the idea of you're there because it's just you too. You're not. You, it's a different process. You know, when you're doing film or television. It's an ensemble effort, really. You're working with the technicians and the director, and every, everyone's working towards the same end. Although, obviously, you have a director in theatre, when you actually get the play on, it's just you, the actors, kind mm. of, who are on stage, who are holding it together. And that's great to be able to play off with you know, just one or two other people. Um, but I also like the ensemble thing. So I, I tend to like the thing I'm doing, hmm. uh, which is probably not a bad pl- place to be. No, no, it isn't. Now, was there one project or experience you saw as a turning point for your career? <clears throat> yeah, I, I suppose uh, um, I, for many years, I, I, I kind of played nice guys. Uh, um, uh, in, uh, in Tristan and Aubrey, just going small, was a, he, was a, he was badly behaved, but he was essentially a nice guy. And then Doctor Who, you're a kind of superhero. And then <clears throat> I never really played a, a, an unpleasant character. Mm. And uh, I got... By strange circumstances, I, I got offered a script. I had not really done much television for a couple of years, and I got offered a, a, um, a part in a show called Home of the Braithwaites. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I got this, I remember getting the script, and I said to my agent, Do they want to see me? Because normally they would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, No, 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 it's an offer. So I read the script, and I thought, Why on earth would they offer this to me? Because I, it's not really the normal kind of character I play. Mm-hmm. It's rather unpleasant, really. And uh, um, uh, but nevertheless, I, I, I thought, it's a fantastic part, so I did it. And then I discovered, uh, um, ironically, uh, um, halfway through the first series, I said to the director, you know, thank you so much for offering me this part, because it was such a shock, because it's not normally what I play. And they said, um, well, when we, got the, when we got the script, we looked at the part, and we thought, this kind of guy is so unpleasant that we really need someone who plays nice guys to play it. So I kind of got it for the same reason as I got other parts. And yet, it was a kind of turning point. It was the first time I was able to show people, you know, there was a bit more you know, to me than just the ordinary affable nice chap. Mm. Now, we are here today because you're hosting the Doctor Who Symphonic Spectacular, which mm-hmm. is touring Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the event? Well, it's a cross between um, a theatrical, exciting theatrical event and um, a simple orchestral concert. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The focus is certainly on the symphony orchestra, which is there on stage right in front of you, forefront, um, and directed by, uh, uh, conducted by Ben Foster. Um, But in the background are clips of the show. uh, uh, And so it's a shift of focus, really. You know, when you sit and watch the TV series, you're watching the picture and you're aware of the music. And here you're listening to the music and you're kind of aware of the picture. Uh, uh, And so it's turned it on its head a bit. Um, And it's marvellous. It's amazing music. And it stands up in its own right as music, let alone for the the music from Doctor Who. So the reason I wanted to be involved with it, because... um, I did music at school and I, and I remember being taken by my music teacher to the Royal Festival Hall and listening to orchestral concerts and not realising um, the power of a symphony orchestra when they're playing live on stage. You know, you, we, we kind of take it for granted. We hear it on the radio or, and then we think, oh, I don't really fancy that. Yeah. It's just symphony music, orchestral, classical music. We just put it under the generic term classical music. Um, uh, uh, 
but it's a bit like a, a, a rock band. You know, you, you can listen to it on the, uh, uh, on the radio or the record. When you go and see them live, it's like the force of it. It's impressive. And it's exactly the same with the symphony orchestra. Um, and yet it's something that younger people maybe, or, or, or ordinary people might not do. They might not go to a concert. So if this gets them through the door and this gets them to listen to this music, uh, um, it's fantastic in itself. But on top of that, we make it a theatrical experience with... Uh, various uh, um, friends of the Doctor, Cybermen, Daleks, people like that, the silence, um, who wander about the stage and the auditorium and uh, I think make it a quite exciting event mm. uh, uh, for the family. Certainly sounds like it. Now, how would you describe your role in the proceedings? Well, I suppose it, I just I just really have the easiest job in the world. Really. I just come on and uh, uh, have fun introducing and linking the bits. And there's a bit of interplay uh, um, with uh, uh, Ben, the conductor. Uh, and I, I, the way I looked at it was, it is a job, but the more fun we have doing it, the better it'll come over. So, uh, you know, um, I've got a meeting with them this, this afternoon to sort out finally what, what we're doing. Um, but hopefully there'll be some fun bits in it. But essentially, I'm I'm just the uh, you know master of ceremonies. And this is your third tour to Australia and New Zealand with the show. So what keeps attracting you back? It's it's the second tour. We did one last second? year. Yeah, yeah, second one. Uh, I did the BBC Proms the year before that, where the whole thing kind of started. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, well, what brings me back to Australia or brings me back on what the tour? What brings you back to Australia with the show? Well, um, we had unfinished business last year. We did. We were actually meant to go to Perth last year as well. We didn't. I think some pop star moved in and stole their venue. Um, so we had cities uh, 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 that we hadn't done. Mm. And I remember we had people come along from Adelaide to the Melbourne concert and said, "Why haven't you come to Adelaide?" So I think there was a, 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 obviously a, the audience was there to, to to satisfy. And it's not the same show. It's a different show because in the meantime we've got a new doctor. So the focus of this show is, is Peter Capaldi's music, although there are a few pieces, and many pieces actually, from, from shall we say, Murray Gold's greatest hits. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I just, it's just the tour part two, really, and, uh, and I, we had such a nice time last time, I thought it'd be nice to come back and do it again. Mm. Now, obviously, you're hosting this because you played the fifth Doctor on the mm-hmm. show, but you've also had a wealth of other roles, like uh, Dangerous Davies in The Last Detective. Yep. How did that role come about for you? Um, I, I was approached, just sent a, an idea by uh, uh, the producer, and I, I liked the idea of a show that wasn't completely serious. It had its lighter touch. And she very much believed, as I did, that you could combine the two, a certain lightness, um, with a, a, a proper drama. It's not comedy, but it is. it does have its lighter touches. And at first there was some... Uh, friction, you know, the, the TV company didn't quite agree and they tried to make it more serious and I said, it'll work, if we just let us do it, it'll work. And I think it did. It was, uh, I loved doing the series. Mm. Uh, and it, it was just, also my, my idea that, that, that TV policemen are either, you know, they're kind of like slamming their fist on the table and, and, and most policemen I've met are not like that. So it was an attempt, it was an attempt to make a series about the kind of person who actually is a policeman. Humanising. Yeah, humanising a bit. A bit. Um, uh, uh, and that was really the objective. Is there a future for the show? Because it was very popular no, worldwide. Yes, and... I know it was. And I don't think there is. It's one of those weird things that, you know, when from time to time television companies bring in new uh, commissioning editors and they always, they always want to make their own mark. So they quite commonly, unceremoniously dump them. 
uh, quite successful series uh, uh, because they want to bring in their own mm. impending failures, uh, which is kind of what happened with this. I mean, we got taken off and then every replacement that they came up with was actually fairly pathetic and, and failed. Uh, but even so, by that time, our kind of time has passed. So I don't think there is, although there are books... Maybe I might be getting a bit old for now. <clears throat> but there are books after he left and stopped being a policeman. Um, so the possibility is always there, but you never know. Well, we can hope. Yeah. Now, you've starred and guested in both dramas and comedies. Mm-hmm. Which do you prefer? Um, it's always nice to do a bit of the stuff you haven't done very much. But I know that when I do <clears throat> a very serious piece, uh, um, I always long for playing... A, d- a drama but a, a lighter touch uh, and it's odd I was talking to someone about this I did this play I, I, I mentioned earlier in, in, uh, last summer and even though it was a very serious play we used to judge how well it was going by how many laughs we got or at least I did I don't know about anyone else so it's, it's a strange fact that even in the midst of a heavy drama um, the number of laughs you get still matter mm. so I, I, I would say I enjoy comedy or at least uh, um, something that's entertaining and not too heavy. Yeah. So in general, what do you look for in a character when accepting or auditioning for a role? Oh, it's... it's. I suppose to a certain extent it's about the character. It's more often than not about the script, about the way something is written. You know, someone can say, I've got this great idea for a series, they can explain it to me uh, and uh, it sounds good or, uh, um, or I'm not convinced they then send the script and sometimes the thing that sounded good is badly written and the thing that didn't sound that impressive is very cleverly and very cleverly written so I would say it's just about how well, how, how well the script is done, how good a writer it is and how well they've, they've brought it more than the actual character yeah, that's, only, that's only a part of it how, how well it's brought up, put down on the page and, I, and <clears throat> I'm quite obsessive, if it is a good script, of, of doing that script exactly as it's written. I'm very aware that, because um, my wife is a, is, is a writer n- now, and, and how long writers spend on, you know, getting every sentence right. It's not like, I'm just going to put this down here. Uh, so f- for the actor to come in and go, I don't like that line, I'm going to change it, is, is quite a big thing, I think, for Indeed. a writer. I would be truly teed off. Uh, um, if I'd spent a long time getting a speech right or a, or an exchange of dialogue right and then I saw it back and the actor had just changed it completely and it does happen It does Now how have you seen the acting industry evolve since you started working in it? How have I seen it evolve? <clears throat> I suppose as now I kind of missed it really but there was a um, when I started out there was very defined lines of theatre um, uh, TV and film. I think they've now largely broken down, mm. and that's for the great benefit of the, of the business. So, you know, film actors will come and do uh, uh, TV or, or do stage. T- TV, act- TV actors have a route into films, uh, and it, 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 the crossover is much more fluid. Um, in my day, if you were a TV actor, you were kind of a TV actor. It didn't matter how good a TV actor you were, you were still kind of a TV mm. actor. In fact, oddly, the route between the route from stage into film was easier than the route from TV into film. Oh. Uh, so it, it's good that that's broken down. I'm, I'm wholly unconvinced about the uh, uh, um, positive elements of soap operas. Uh, I, I, I find them... Uh, 
tiresome, repetitive, and they think there's a place for them. Mm. I do think there's a place for soap operas, but it's the lowest rung of television. And to elevate the lowest rung of television to the highest rung of television simply on the basis of viewing figures seems to be wholly uh, 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 erroneous and, and in the end destructive mm. because um, <clears throat> what's happened in, in Britain is that even quite good drama series have, have been turned into soap operas. They're nothing more than that. Yeah. Uh, um, and that seems to be the policy. And they seem to pat themselves on the back and congratulate themselves on turning what started off as a rather good drama series into soap operas. And they go, yeah, aren't we clever? Uh, because we've got, you know, 6.5 million people watching it. In fact, what you're watching is drivel. It's always unfortunate, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, as you've been a part of many worldwide recognised shows, do you find yourself often getting recognised? Oh, yes, I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm never entirely sure how much I'm recognised, because uh, um, I always assume I've not been recognised, rather than I have. So unless someone says, where's your TARDIS? Uh, um, or, or I remember you off the telly, that, I'm very obvious like that. People, I don't know if they have recognised me or not, they're very nice, and it turns out sometimes they have no idea who I am, and sometimes they've known exactly who I am since I walked into the shop or restaurant or bar. Um, so I'm never quite sure. I, if, if I'm walking around with my wife, for example, she's very aware of heads turning. If I walk past yeah. and walk down the street, I'm not really aware of that now. I prefer. I so I, I travel. Uh, I've got my, you know, I'm old enough to have a bus pass, so I go on the bus all the time. And I think I'm not quite aware of uh, how many people on the bus are going. What's he on a bus for? I think they seem to have this idea that we travel everywhere in limos and things like that. How wrong they are. Absolutely. Now, some Doctor Who fans can be fairly dedicated. Yeah. What's one of the strangest experiences you've had with a fan? <clears throat> um, I, I remember uh, uh, I did like an American convention once where this, this couple came up to me um, and uh, just they gave me a gift because they had met at a convention of mine 20 years before. Uh, and of course, they, uh, it's, just, it's just, I wish I, I mean, I wish I had a better memory, but it's very, it's very interesting how, how many people come up, come up to you at conventions and go, Hi, remember me? Uh, convention, 1981. And you go, No, I don't remember you. I'm sorry, I wish I could, but um, just, I, I suppose, they'll bring, they'll bring out little uh, photographs that were taken with me from that time, and um, it's, it's very nice. And, as a strange experience, I don't really know. It's just permanently strange experiences you have at conventions because um, you know, people come dressed as you, me. I, when I first did them, I went dressed as, as the doctor. Yeah. And then uh, when I realised that there were about sort of 30 or 40 other people at every convention I went to dressed as me, used, dressed as me usually in better outfits, uh, I stopped. So uh, um, but I, I, I love it when I go there and people come very extraordinarily well put together. Yeah copies of me. They put a lot of hard work into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performing arts? Well, I think you have to be sure that you want to work in the performing arts and you, you don't just want to be well-known. Mm. I mean, being well-known and being, uh, uh, if you like, uh, whatever you, you refer to as being a celebrity are, uh, are, are side effects, mm. uh, are, are, are um, supplements if you like or in fact not supplements uh, to working in the performing arts you you have to be absolutely sure that that's what you want to do whether it means 
being on television film, being successful, or whether it means just playing nice character parts in, in reps around the country for the next 30 or 40 years. You have to be pretty dedicated. Mm. I, I have a lot of people come up and say, you know, can you give you know, my, my niece a bit of advice? Uh, she wants to be an actress stroke model or an actor presenter. And you think, don't do it. You, you're not interested in that. What you're interested in is being well-known and famous. And that's fine in its own right, but it's not what this business is about. You have to... You have to get as much enjoyment out of doing a, a, a part in, in, a, in a rep show as you do doing a part in the West End or a part in the film. You just have to be dedicated and not to be deflected. At the same time, you know, my son now, who wants, of course, to be an actor, um, uh, I'm doing everything in my, care, my power to persuade him not to because it's a difficult business. It's, it's not... When I started off, you could make a living... <clears throat> reasonably easily, reasonably easily. Uh, um, but that, then now the money is gone from a lot of jobs. A lot of actors now do rather uh, heavyweight jobs for barely no money, no, either no money at all. A lot of films are made, low-budget films are made with actors not being paid a penny. People will do theatre shows without being paid. So it's much, much harder to make a living now uh, than it was. You know. So uh, it, it, be absolutely sure that you cannot survive uh, uh, in any other profession well, before you go into it. Well, thanks for your very wise words today and your time. Thank you. That was my chat with Peter Davison, and I'll be reviewing the Doctor Who Symphonic Spectacular in the next episode. Now, due to the close proximity between this and the last show, there haven't been any new films or uh, things for me to review, but I can guarantee next month I'll have a wealth of DVDs to review from both Roadshow and Madman Entertainment, as well as a whole lot of films to review thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas. So, uh, while you're there, don't forget to check out all our supporters. So that's uh, Palace Nova Cinemas, Rojo Entertainment, Madman Entertainment, and Mad Zombie Collectibles. And all their details are available on the supporters section of the website. Well, I've been your host, Benjamin Mayer McKay, and I'll be back next month with another very exciting interview. See you then. <laughs>